This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, speaking to Oanda senior market analysts from around the world with all the latest business and market news. Let's talk to Ed Moyer, who is in New York this morning. Good afternoon from London. Good morning from New York. Great to have you on again, Ed. It's been a crazy week, hasn't it, really? The most interesting story by far, amateur investors responding with outrage after trading platforms curbed the buying of shares in the US games firm GameStop and plenty of other companies as well. GameStop shares dived by as much as 55%, and that is the latest twist in a battle that has pitted amateur investors against the Wall Street giants. This is showing really the power of social media, isn't it? It's an extraordinary event. Very much so. I, ne- I never thought I would be spending so much time on Reddit forums and and scanning some of these TikTok videos just to get a sense of what people are really um, using as their sources for uh, financial trading information. You're down with the kids at last, Ed. <laughs> I am, and uh, I will happily say, don't worry, I am not doing any uh, TikTok videos. So Now that I would pay to see, definitely. <laughs> but this story, you've been so busy on it all week. What have people been asking you? The first question is, you know, is this truly a battle between the new retail trader and uh, these giant short sellers? And, and, you know, initially, it seemed that there was th- this new, you know, wave of mostly millennial traders uh, that were just not even just necessarily looking to make money, but they wanted to crush these giant short sellers. And, and what we probably, I think, would, would see initially is that uh, the, these uh, short traders really, um, Citron and Melvin Capital had excessive bearish bets on on, uh, on a plethora of companies, but GameStop was the one that attracted the most attention. I think what we saw uh, early was, uh, and it was really at the end of last week, there was an incredible dislocation. Uh, and uh, you, you had all of these um, new traders who, who were basically uh, just buying out-of-money call options. And and what, what happened was you, you would have the market makers, these dealers, you know, they don't want to have a naked option. So they would have to buy the underlying and that would provide a little bit of support for the stock. Well, these these little traders were, were, were buying these out-of-money cop options that were so cheap. Uh, and it really just started to kind of... Uh, have a snowball effect in, on, on share prices and you know in, in the very you know early days we saw short sellers close out at huge losses and i think i think what was really fascinating was that um you know we were seeing everyone saying this is the retail trader getting you know finally winning a battle against big wall street but i think what was lost in, in, in all the news was there were so many hedge funds there were so many you know savvy investors that said they weren't a part of this short selling but they saw this opportunity and they jumped all over it they they, they, they knew that uh it was going to take some time to see uh brokerages re- react and provide some tighter uh, trading guidelines and that it, you, you are not going to be able to quickly end this type of trade. Uh, so, so I think what we're seeing, uh, there, there was a, a lot of active traders that then just said, I'm going to ride this this um, this momentum. And, and 
it was insane to see the amount of swings we had with GameStop. It seemed that every time there was a belief that, uh-oh, this bubble is bursting, there in came another fresh round of retail traders just buying the dip. And I would check on, you know, at night after the market closed and, you know, you would see all these videos surface. Guys, we're doing it again tomorrow. And, and just this this relentless uh, mission that it seemed that these, these, these uh, new traders were uh, just really trying to go ahead and take GameStop and whether it was uh, Bed Bath Beyond, Dillard's, there's a, a handful of companies, Cost and Express, they were just going to, AMC also, that was the other big one, they were just going to take these, these companies these shares and uh, just kind of keep keep applying the pressure on the short sellers, and 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 what really made things exciting and earlier in the week was, you had some billionaire investors like Shamath Pali Happy Tia uh, kind of voice their support for GameStop trade. Uh, you know this relentless surge. Cameron Winklevoss also said he's considering jumping in. So you had all these like these big investors that were kind of like not even in this story jump in. And and what really kind of made everything go to another level uh, was when Elon Musk had had his tweet about GameStonk and <laughs> making the making uh, the belief that, okay, you, you have the Elon Musk army uh, also that's going to, you know, jump in on this trade. And, and it, it provided, uh, I, I think, a historic move that really made life harder for the Robin Hoods, the E-Trades, interactive brokers. And and, and, and you're, you're probably going to see, well, how did this all happen? And, and, and I think the biggest thing that we have to remember is that early in the pandemic, you know, we had signs that this new retail trader was going to be a voice that we have to to uh, respect and, and uh, you know, more importantly, cover. Um, I, I think what really kind of got all of this speculative activity started was early in the pandemic in June when we had all those stimulus checks hit. And it seems that there is a correlation that uh, we, we, we've seen a pickup in the speculative activity. Um, what was pretty eye-opening for me is that, you know, when we take a look early in the pandemic, when we had that, you know, initial collapse in, in, uh, in global equities in February and March, you know, the, the whole consensus on Wall Street was that, you know, throughout every major market crash, we've always had a retest of the lows. And I think if you remember, uh, especially <laughs> a lot of those earlier podcasts, I remember being on the air with Craig and we were both pretty much convinced early that a retest of the low is of the March 22nd low was likely. But you know what? The one, the one group of traders that did not believe that was the new retail trader. And they were buying Tesla, they were buying all these high flyer stay at home stocks, and they won that battle. And, uh, you know, we, we eventually saw Wall Street capitulate. And, you know, we saw stocks continue that rally. That was the first sign that we, we saw that, you know, this, this new wave of traders is important to, to track. And, and I think this this move with GameStop and AMC, um, it, it's really showing that, you know, we, we have to acknowledge that the Robinhood traders, the new ones that just came on board, they're really uh, something that we're going to have to re respect because they they are the largest generation now. The baby boomers are no longer it. And I think if we continue to see all this fresh capital and re relentless buying of options, uh, I, I think you're going to see probably some tighter 
guidelines, more greater margin requirements. Uh, so that will kind of curb this type of volatility in the future. But it seems that this this type of uh, of roller coaster ride is 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 going to remain a little bit longer. And it's 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 unbelievable how it's been going on strong for now over a week. But how revolutionary is it? Is this a game changer? And we've already seen reaction from, of course, this is global reaction from around the world. The uh, UK's financial regulator, financial conduct authorities, has warned it's closely watching all this trading activity and quote unquote said that traders should ensure they're familiar with all regulations, including market abuse. We've had shares in Malaysia's top glove uh, surge today as retail investors in Asia draw inspiration from the GameStop trading frenzy. So, of course, it's gone global. And you mentioned this difference between the baby boomers and the millennials. Are we going to get left behind? <laughs> well, I, I think what we're seeing, uh, I don't think we're going to get left behind, but but I, I think what we're, we're really seeing, this, this whole developed, it's really uh, just uh, exploiting a structural weakness in the markets. But Leverage. if there's a structural weakness in the market, surely they're going to change it. Yes, that's been clearly telegraphed. And, and that's why you, you, you it's rare you see AOC and Senator Ted Cruz kind of be on the same page. Uh, I, th- I think that you're, you're probably going to see that free markets, everyone believes in that. And, and I think you're going to see that the, the restrictions on, on not being able to trade, uh, that's not going to last. But I think that uh, be, because you have the ability to, to have just a, a couple thousand dollars of, of money that you're just willing to risk in an options contract to buy something so far out of the money that is forcing a market maker to go ahead and actually have to buy the stock. And if the stock continues to rally, the market maker has to buy more of those shares. So that's why when we saw GameStop go from 100 to 200 to 300 to four and five, uh, you, you really have have uh, forced the market maker to continue to add on to their positions. Uh, and, and that, I mean, when you when you take a look at GameStop, it was at one point the largest uh, company on the Russell 2000. That's ridiculous. GameStop is really, when you take a look at the company, it's, it's for the most part, brick and mortar is not necessarily where you want to be. Uh, and, and it was considered to be the, the blockbuster of video games. Um, GameStop has struggled that you can make uh, the fundamental argument against GameStop is, is, you know, I think legit. I think, you know, they have too much exposure, too many companies. They really didn't succeed in embracing online. Uh, and also the way people purchase video games, it's not necessarily directly through GameStop. Now, some people are able to some of the, the, the new hot games, you don't even buy at GameStop. You buy directly from uh, the video game producer, uh, creator. So, so I, I think you're going to probably see that, uh, you know, GameStop really should be trading based off of valuations, uh, $10, $20, $30, maybe if you're uh, a little bit more optimistic. Uh, so, so right now it's, you know, I mean, to, to, to believe that it's, it's currently over $300 is, or closer to four, that's just, that's insane, and and I, I think that eventually you'll you'll see that uh, you know I, I think oh, a month, two months down the road, if you're this Robinhood trader, are you really going to be holding on to GameStop? No, you're going to be looking for the next best thing. 
and that's what we're seeing on Wall Street right now. Uh, you, you saw the spillover to silver. You're seeing spillover to other uh, opportunities, and, and that's why everyone is kind of uh, it's a it's a frenzy right now. No one no one knows exactly how the regulatory crackdown is going to be, but I think in, in the end that the exploitation of that you know little weakness in, in the markets, uh, the structural weakness is is really kind of that's going to be um, I think quickly addressed, and and, and that, that's why uh, you know I don't know how much longer this is going to last but right now it seems it could last a little bit longer because you have all those uh momentum traders that they 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 don't care which direction you know these stocks go they just want the volatility so that's going to keep things exciting and uh, that's going to probably i think uh really complicate the way hedge funds short in the future um but um uh, overall though i think that uh this this uh could spill over into um some some big big hedge funds having to unwind certain positions and uh but but in but in the end i think that eventually we'll be able to to get past this but right now um you're, you're going to see a lot of people trying to capitalize on, on some of these extreme moves. And that's why a lot of my old uh, college or, or friends in early in my career, they've been reaching out saying, like, what's what's happening? Which broker do you recommend? So I, I, I've, I've been inundated with all these requests as far as, like, where, where where's the best place to take advantage of this? And uh, I've always exercised caution in, in just providing the letting people know that this is not going to be the way trading is going to be in the future is this is really kind of like that weekend trip at to Vegas where you're seeing a lot of people find a hot table and they're trying to, 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 to ride this out as long as they can. So I think there's, there's, there's a, a tremendous amount of risk here and uh, depending on when you get in, you know, you could see yourself, uh, um, you know, quickly down half your money or lose it uh, even the majority of it uh, faster than you, you, you uh, opened your account <laughs> yeah it's uh, absolutely fascinating and interesting how you know you've there are new people suddenly interested in in the markets we've got to move on because we had the u.s fed announcement earlier in the week no surprises there benchmark interest rate unchanged near zero as they flagged a moderating u.s recovery and also reiterated a pledge to use all available tools, quote unquote, to support the economy during the pandemic. So we've had that. And of course, we've also had markets very sensitive to vaccination news for a couple of months now on both sides of the Atlantic. And before we talk about the Fed, um, we had some news today from Johnson & Johnson, which was a little bit disappointing. Yes, I, I think that uh, everyone was, they had their hopes, you know, I think they were elevated. You, you had... In the, in the past couple of weeks uh, at the J.P. Morgan Health Conference, uh, the chief of Warp Speed said he thought Johnson & Johnson would be between 80 and 85%. Uh, you had earnings earlier in the week from J&J, and they signaled uh, that the results were coming out any day. And, you know, it, it seemed they had a, a, a strong sense of confidence. So I, I think maybe... Uh, uh, maybe I'm guilty of misreading them, but it seemed that they felt pretty confident that uh, they were going to have pretty uh, robust results here. And and uh, the shot showed only it was 66% effective against disease in the, in the large global trial. Um, and, and I think initially when that headline hit, we saw, you know, a, a big hit to the stock and also risk appetite. We saw a big, big uh, move lower on the S&P 500. Um, but I, I, think, I think what you're, you're also seeing though is 
once you get the initial headline, you know, you have to, well, dig a little deeper. And it was 85% against severe infections uh, and 100% of hospitalizations and death. I take that, Ed, personally. If my, if my friends and family took that jab, and as you said, 100% against hospitalizations and death, I'm having been in hospital myself because of COVID and having plenty of people we, we know around us, so uh, some of whom unfortunately have, have lost the battle, you know, maybe people shouldn't be quite so down on Johnson and Johnson. Yes, that uh, the, that number in the sixties is 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 less impressive than you know some of the others, the Pfizer's and the Astra's and so on. But it is only one jab, of course, which sh- solves a myriad of problems. You know, from the point of view of getting this thing out there. No, very 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 much. I agree with you uh, completely. I, I think you know the, the, my takeaway is that. Um, we're now going to have an array of vaccines, which is much more important than you know the efficacy factor. Uh, I think supply is key, and because this is a single jab and it doesn't require complex refrigeration, uh, that's a game changer. Because I think what we really need to do is see that uh, have plenty of vaccine options, and 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 not just for uh, where we reside but for the world and i think there's so many uh parts that you know we're going to struggle with dealing with some of these complex uh, refrigeration requirements that this j and j uh vaccine is great news especially for the global economic recovery uh so so i, th- I think that uh you're, you're going to see that there's going to be a little bit of a disappointment um because i think you're going to have a lot of people um that are going to say, well, I don't want the J and J. I want the Moderna or the Pfizer. Uh, but, but, but I, I think that you know you, you're going to have to see a greater round of education, especially in the U.S. I think uh, U.S. is uh, not as educated or as open to to vaccines as as uh, much of the world. Um, so, so I think that this this uh, this is going to be a, a, a headwind uh, for for the the fight against COVID, uh, but I think it is still positive news. I, I completely agree with you that uh, we should be happy that the single dose is is uh, effective against COVID, and and I think that because it's easier to store, uh, I think this will reinvigorate that immunization push globally. Um, I, I would like to also point out, though, that there is uh, one interesting development, um, and, and for, for me, I, I think we we oftentimes kind of try to get a sense of, okay, well, you know, now we finally got vac- more vaccine solutions, it seems. It seems like the supply is going to, to continue to grow. Um, and and uh, what, what you're going to probably see, I think, for, for many people is that the Markets are going to want to see that the vaccine uh, rollouts improve dramatically. But I, I think what we're going to take a look at is, well, which countries have been successful in vaccine rollouts and how are they performing? And what's kind of uh, been a little bit disappointing uh, is uh, taking a look at what's happened in Israel. I think they've led the charge uh, in, in vaccina- vaccinations with over 30% of their population getting the shot. Uh, but you saw a big drop. You, you still have cases rising. You still are, are seeing uh, the virus not really get under control because I think there's this lax behavior once you get vaccinated. I, I know uh, I know some people that have caught COVID before uh 
their second jab. I, I think, you, you know, I, I think what we're seeing is that there's going to be a little bit of complacency now that you have more vaccines available, that you feel that, okay, we're so much closer to the other side of COVID. So I think that you're going to probably see that uh, there's going to be uh, not an immediate uh, steady decline in new cases. I think you're going to see that behavior is going to uh, ease and, and people are not going to necessarily continue those strict um, um, social distancing protocols and and I could see it I could see it in New York City I could see when I'm walking taking my kids out for daily exercise there's some people that I could tell that they are walking maskless and they I, I could you know, just knowing it, it seems that they were probably the people that already had the vaccine. Yeah, I hear you, Ed, but I have to say that I don't feel that way, even though, of course, there are people who ignore the restrictions and um, that that's, gonna, that's happening across the world. But while the numbers remain stubbornly high, while we're still getting, you know, a thousand plus mortality rate a day and so on, the infection rate's still high, I think people are still wide but i certainly agree with when the numbers start to to fall and we've seen the r rate come down in the united kingdom then that combination of that plus the vaccinations and as you said the rollout here has been pretty successful and uh, we won't talk about the uh, the uh, vaccine wars going on between the uk and the eu and uh, astrazeneca and so on at the moment because we've covered that earlier in the week but having said that um people will start as they get more and more vaccinated you know when once we hit this crucial period the middle of next month or the end of next month when they feel that all those people over 50 uh, get vaccinated all those people with underlying conditions also get jabs then we might see a change in behavior i do hope not uh, i mentioned the u.s fed do you want to mention interest rate uh, no change i mean no surprise there the key takeaway was that Powell, he really did a good job as far as maintaining that stance that it's too early to discuss tapering asset purchases. Uh, the the Wall Street community right now is they're kind of, they're divided, uh, but you are seeing a lot of people expect that in the third quarter, uh, more in the fourth, and I think the most in the first quarter of next year is when we're going to see the Fed have to uh, um, scale back their purchases. So I think the economic recovery is is is, is slowly happening. I think uh, we're going to start to see states ease restrictions. That's going to be good for economic activity, for hiring. Um, uh, but I, I think you're, you're probably going to have the Fed be some point in the summer where they're going to have that moment where they're going to have to try to um, start to have the discussion on how they're going to scale back accommodation. So right now, um, you know, we're we're everyone's focused on. Well, are we going to see what happened in 2013 when we had the taper tantrum? Uh, I, I th the Fed is really uh, doing their their best to kind of try to avoid that. It's not going to be avoidable. There will be a tantrum. Uh, they're trying to make it a, a smaller tantrum than what we saw uh, several years ago. So so I think Powell did a good job. He he really. Uh, solidified the the easy stance it was a dovish press conference uh, but we really didn't i think what we did see was the expectations of increasing purchases or yield curve control that wasn't really even discussed so i think we're we're, we're really seeing that the markets are going to expect things to be steady 
any extra support is, is suspected to be fiscal. It's supposed to come from the Biden administration. Treasury Secretary Yellen is going to be speaking next week. We'll probably get more insight as far as um, what she's going to uh, look to, to, to support as far as what is done. Uh, and uh, I think that the Fed is going to be uh, fairly consistent over these next few months. And we're, we're probably uh, going to not see uh, too much of a reaction from 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 the Fed uh, until the, the tapered discussions become more serious. Okay, uh, one more story I want to cover. And uh, of course, it was a busy earnings week. A record iPhone sales in the run up to Christmas enabled Apple to report uh, its most profitable quarter ever. And there were plenty of other big names in there as well. Um, going back to those Apple results, um, revenue up 21% to $111.4 billion and profits up 29%. So they're doing surprise, surprise very well, but so are the others. Yeah, I, I think Apple's results, and, and you know, it, it, it's it's amazing because uh, they finally topped that 100 billion <laughs> sales uh, number and they crushed it. They crushed the uh, analyst expectations. I think analysts were closer to 104 billion. They were 111. Uh, I think it, what, what we really saw was, you know, that iPhone revenue uh, it was over 65 billion and it really kind of cements that belief they're in a super cycle you know 5g these new iphone 12 phones uh they're they're in a, a very uh sweet spot as far as people upgrading um and and i think what you know a lot of people took uh you know the the the, the Overall results, I think because the iPhone revenues were so strong, you know, some people were a little skeptical that, well, services isn't as much as uh, what it should have been. But that's because the iPhone revenue was just insanely high. Uh, the company did note they saw some slower revenues, I think, for wearables, AirPod Pros. And uh, I, I think that in, in the end, uh, the, the growth is still there. I, th I think that you're, you're probably seeing that, you know, Apple initially uh, kind of, uh, uh, it would kind of uh, whipsawed a little bit, but it was a little bit softer. And that's because Apple's been such a strong stock. Uh, but I think there's not much that really get, has gotten in the way of, uh, of belief as far as, you know, that they're, they're still going to have a strong uh, next couple of quarters. And I think when you, uh, when you look, listen to the conference call, everyone's waiting until we, we get a better uh, clarity as far as what's their next big thing. And I think everyone's been talking about Apple Car. Uh, uh, and I, I think that there's growing, I think, belief that, you know, they're, 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 they're working on that and that you're, you're going to possibly see them. Uh, this is their second attempt, attempt at possibly having a, uh, a car. Uh, so, so we'll, we'll see um, if that's how they, they um, look to, to, to provide another uh, massive revenue stream. But, but right now, I think everyone is still uh, you know, impressed with the results. And uh, when you take a look at some of the other big earnings, uh, uh, I think that uh, we, we had Facebook, we had uh, uh, Tesla. Tesla, you know, they, they, I think everyone, you know, you can pick and choose, but overall, I think uh, Tesla, um, you know, the earnings, they did have a miss, uh, but I mean, they had a great year. They had a great year, and I think there's still um, a, a tremendous amount of uh, 
growth that is still there for the company. Uh, Facebook, you know, they talked about headwinds. They were a little bit more uh, downbeat. But I, I think that, you know, overall, big tech did not disappoint this earnings season. Microsoft crushed it. Uh, Netflix did very well. Uh, so, so we really got, you know, uh, uh, I think an overall uh, strong results from the, the FANG stocks. Uh, and, and next week will be key because you'll, you'll, you'll get Amazon and Apple, uh, not Apple, um, Alphabet. Uh, and and I, I think you're going to probably see that investors, um, for the most part, um, you know, they're, it's going to be tough to do the cyclical rotation when you have a uh, tech still outperforming. And uh, as I think, um, you know, we're, we're seeing restrictions ease a lot slower, so that's keeping these uh, stay-at-home stocks really, uh, I think, uh, supported. And uh, I think investors, they, you know, Apple is is a staple for many people's portfolios, and it, I, I don't see that changing anytime soon. What else is happening next week? Well, next, next week um, we 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 have. Uh, I, I think um, you're, you're going to see that uh, there's a. Going to be a lot of attention paid attention to uh, Janet Yellen. She's going to be speaking. Uh, one of the, the 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 big things for uh, the Treasury uh, is that um, they, you know, this balance sheet is just you know continuing to balloon. And uh, uh, Treasury Secretary Yellen, um, what she might be trying to do is uh, just kind of uh, outlining uh, a shift in their debt issuance strategy. Um, I, I think it, it, it's, it's it's important to see exactly how the, the, the Treasury kind of handles their Treasury purchases because um, in, in the end, uh, you know, the, the debt is going to become an issue and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how she tackles it. Uh, I think that um, uh, next week you're, you're going to have a, a lot of focus on uh, the, uh, the flash PMI readings across Europe and the U.S. Um, in addition, uh, at the end of the week, we have non-farm payroll reports, which is expected to show a, a little bit of a rebound in hiring. Everyone's going to look to see, you know, stimulus negotiations are going to pick up. If we see another soft uh, non-farm payroll or negative non-farm payroll report, it's just going to provide more pressure on, on, on Congress to, to, to deliver more stimulus. I think right now, the consensus Biden's asking for 1.9 trillion. I think people are anticipating we could get something closer to 1.1 or 1.2 trillion. Uh, so that, that's going to be, I think, a, a, a big focal point. And then also, too, we have the OPEC Plus uh, Joint Ministerial uh, Monitoring Committee meeting. We'll probably have more, um, uh, I think, uh, discussions as far as you know where they see uh, the demand. Uh, outlook going and uh, exactly you know how how they're going to um, continue with their uh, production uh, cut strategy. So so there's there's going to be a lot to follow. Obviously GameStop and Robinhood and Reddit and and, and uh, the the frenzied uh, you know clash between uh, short sellers and uh, these uh, new new retail traders this is going to be uh, the focal point for many people. And it'll be interesting to see uh, what other um, asset classes are going to, to attract uh, this new retail interest. We're seeing it spill over to silver. Well, it'll be interesting to see what other parts of the, the market that people are going to gravitate towards. Ed, thank you so much for all your comments today. Really fascinating to hear your thoughts. And we'll speak to you again same time next week. Wonderful. Thanks for having me.